Hey, Dan Talks listeners. I just got off the phone with Alexander Biggs, who is an amazing singer-songwriter who I discovered on the internet while I was here at home. And uh, I reached out, and he so graciously agreed to come on and talk to me about his songwriting and his history and how he approaches art making. And I think he and his music is so smart, so poignant, and uh, just honestly the perfect soundtrack to this period in at least my life, and I feel like it must be for other people's lives too. So if you look up Alexander Biggs on 2Gs on any of the streaming services, you're definitely in for a treat. Everything. If you're emotional like me, you will start crying and it'll be fine. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> but uh, as you can hear from Alexander's voice, he's takes a, uh, so much care in everything he does, at least musically and in, in talking to me. And I hope that you're able to enjoy and also find solace in his music which I think is really I said it a lot in the interview but I feel like it's so apropos for the period that we're in so I hope you guys are staying well and looking after each other and looking after yourselves and thank you for listening okay it's fun I was I had to remind myself right before you called that you're Australian because when people sing, the accent goes away. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like um, I when I sometimes feel like a fraud when I sing, but <laughs> then I remind myself that like, like I make music for the way that it sounds, and so sorry, I'm taking my shoes off. Um. Like I, I make music for because I like the way it sounds and I sing naturally to me like that's the way it comes out. It definitely doesn't feel like a forced thing. So, like I know some people, particularly Australians, I think are really um, self-conscious if they sing in a near or in an American accent. But I don't know. I think it's just about whatever you resonate with like I write when I write my songs I sing like that when I play them I sing like that and I talk different I find when I visited America I talked extra Australian which felt more fake than singing in an American accent Uh which I just haven't fully unpacked that I just thought it was weird that I was like felt like I needed to do like extra <laughs> Aussie or something. Do you feel like you have mostly American influences or Australian influences or it's like 50 Yeah, 50? I think so. Well, uh, I think I got, I have mostly, if not all American influences from a young age and maybe that might be something that um, impacts that kind of process. Um, but I think now I'm inspired by a lot of Australians. Um some sing quite American, some don't. Um, yeah, like, for instance, there's an Australian who's, like, a revered songwriter um, called Gareth Lydiard. He's got a band called The Drones and um, Tropical Fuckstorm. And he is this incredibly authentic 
writer. He's his own sound and there's no one like him. Uh, and he, he can do everything from kind of shorter songs to like 10 minute long epics. And he has this wonderful Australian strine and that's him. But like, you know, I would be, I think, lying to myself if I forced myself to sing Australian. It just doesn't feel natural uh-huh. to me. Don't you think, I came across your music while, in like the last two weeks. And oh, cool. Don't you think that your, I feel like it's your music in particular and the genre of music you do and the, the lyrics that you write are um, like purely relevant and like very oddly apropos to the current moment does that make any sense to you um yeah. and i'll say that because <laughs> it, i say it because i feel like a lot of the themes in your music are about isolation and uh reckoning with uncertainty yeah i mean that makes sense in that way i guess i mean like I don't know, sometimes it can be hard to shake the lens that I'm just writing kind of about, you know, very personal things. Or sometimes, you know, and like Amanda Palmer has this thing called the Song Blender, where sometimes songs are quite close to the raw emotion that was expressed, and sometimes they're a bit more blended with other experiences and all the dots you connect. But, um, so, so yeah, it's kind of hard to sometimes remove myself from the lens in which I write them which is quite often a more raw lens uh but I am also very glad when people resonate with it and it's not what I had thought in fact I feel like people generally have a cooler idea of what the song's about (laughs) than I do uh I've gone that so many times someone tells me their interpretation I'm like man I wish I thought that when I wrote it Uh I feel like your music is Sunday morning music do you feel like it do you think of it as like Friday night music since you perform it um I see it as like um 2am music maybe Mm -hmm. is kind of how I conceive it how it kind of feels to me in- but I, I do understand that a lot of people um, experience it as um, something mellow, I guess, and chill. A cop chill a lot, <laughs> which is an interesting descriptor to me. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's everyday music. <laughs> That's my plug. Is, ch- no. is chill uh, odd for you to hear because it's so emotionally dense for you? Um... Maybe I never I never think of it like uh, I'm never offended and I'm never like oh chill you mean like dead in the soul or like really unenthused but like it's just a really interesting turn of phrase that I think is quite recent maybe in the last decade and I just feel kind of weird around the term because it feels like such a uh. It feels like you're saying nothing <laughs> when you say when you say this sounds chill. It's like, what do you mean? Like, do you think it sounds kind of lethargic, or do you think it sounds like nice and soothing, or like, what are you really saying? I don't know. That's maybe that's my feeling about chill. <laughs> you, I think it's your Twitter bio that says you're a 
uh, card-carrying high school emo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you ever get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm actually in a pretty upbeat mood, and now I have to sit down and play this song again? <laughs> um, no, I, like, uh, sometimes I get tired, I get tired of the songs for sure, but not in a way where I'm like, oh, I'm happy now, I don't want to play a sad <laughs> song. I think the songs, eventually when you, you have a little dip, for me anyway, I've noticed that you play it enough to be sick of it and you can't connect to it anymore. And then after enough time in the dip, you come out of the dip with a third person perspective on the song. And so it's not always like, it's not no longer about like being in it, but entering it as a guest, I guess is the idea. Have you, you're 26 or 27? 26, yeah. 26. So how many times have you been in love? Mm, I don't know, because I like to think that, you know, what is love? Like, um, I think we all have been the gullible young people to feel like we're in love. I guess I don't... If I were to talk to my own young self, I wouldn't be so quick to be like, nah, man, you weren't in love but hey maybe I wasn't um I think like the a deep love only once um like deep deep true love once but um I've definitely loved people that I've dated more than once (laughs) I uh my fear in wanting to talk to you was that um since you're a boy that writes uh, a lot of songs about love or about heartbreak actually that maybe you because it seems like because I identify a lot with the themes in your music but I also thought to myself well you've probably broken some hearts also because all these boys that have soft mushy <laughs> feelings all too often it feels like girls fall for the guy that has all these soft mushy feelings and then the guy <laughs> will ghost them or the guy will do something weird like the emotional guy yeah, like I'm not ghosting. I don't get the whole ghost thing. I feel like a 40-year-old sometimes, you know? Like, I really don't, like, uh, identify with a lot of the common vernacular these days. I don't get, like, TikTok. I don't... Like, I never got around Snapchat. when, I, And I would have been, like, probably... I don't know how old was Snapchat. Like, 18 to, like, 20-something was Snapchat's heyday for me. Like, I never really got around it. and And so... Yeah, ghosting. I don't know. It seems like I don't. I guess I don't really identify with a lot of that weird, the weird male habits that I for some reason didn't pick up. <laughs> I yeah, know. I was reassured by you. Have some really great tweets about like um, uh, dismantling toxic masculinity and supporting yeah, I just trans think it's rights. Really important. I I heard you say. It was your friend... Yeah, I dug up this old tweet from you that you, your friend Wendy, who you stayed with in Los Angeles, you said she came yeah. to one of your shows and said... <laughs> you said, Wendy came to one of my shows and said my music is propaganda to show that men are human. Yeah, I was actually going to... I thought of that when you asked me about it. Um, yeah, my friend Wendy. Uh, I had a good laugh. I think she's maybe, maybe right in a way when you hear about some some of the shit men do I mean I don't know <laughs> but have you broken a heart before? 
Uh, yeah, I think I have unintentionally. And I think that's bad. It's probably sometimes better to do it with gusto, you know, and do it and mean it and commit to it. But I find when I have in the past, it makes me feel really bad. And then you get stuck in going back and forth and second guessing yourself and trying to repair things. But really, you need to, if you're gonna break someone's heart, you need to commit and you need to break it with such force. <laughs> it sounds really bad. <laughs> you essentially, what I'm trying to say is you need to uh, know that when you enter that, well, when you go down that path, you need to commit to that. And I'm not very good at that because I feel awful mm-hmm. when I do it. You're saying you need a sharp knife. I've never been vindictive. I've never vindictively broken up with someone or broken up because I wanted them to be hurt. I'm saying a sharp well, knife once, as opposed to a dog. Once I broke up and yeah, once I actually broke up with someone and I didn't mind that they hurt. Uh, <laughs> I didn't try to, but I wasn't mad about it. Is that because they hurt you? Um. Yeah, they would kind. They kind of cheated on me. So. Well, it sounds like they I did cheat on you. That thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds like they literally did. That was did. way back. This was back before I probably did feel was actually in love with anyone. So, mm-hmm. no harm done. I assume you've always written songs. Uh, yeah, a lot of bad ones. Probably more bad than good. Um, I think the first proper crack at songwriting. I would have, mm, I was maybe, I don't know, 16 in like a hardcore band in my old country town. And it was so cringy. It was fucking cringy. And uh, cringy in the way that only like those weird hardcore bands with this like twinge of internalized misogyny in, you know, like metalcore back in the 2000s was so misogynistic. And you don't know it at the time because you're kind of indoctrinated into this thing. But it's there's so much machismo and there's so much, like, um, weird woman-hating going on, disguised as, like, having feelings. And so sometimes I'm mindful still, even, that was a good lesson in watching when I write songs and seeing whether is this, like, emotionally kind of disrespectful or is it, like, a true conveying of how I feel. I'm interested. I've never crossed that line, but it's you know something to keep aware of. Yeah, I'm interested in your uh, what it says in your biography, and I'm curious if you wrote it and or how you feel about it. It says Alexander Biggs makes softly devastating indie music that hooks ears and breaks hearts. His distinctly gentle vocals, stinging lyricism, melodic ingenuity and evocative acoustic arrangements so effectively encapsulate the ambiguous pain of early adulthood loneliness despondence and nostalgia for a more carefree time i think it's like nail on the head but i'm like wow did alex write this who wrote this and also Um, how do you feel about that definitely goes back and forth um but it definitely doesn't really feel like me i know that first thing has been used a lot um when I read my little press releases when I just have a quick look over them and it's just one of those things where I'm like ah there's probably no other less cringy way 
to, <laughs> to convey this. You know, bios fucking suck, man. I hate bios. I hate, like... I, aren't they terrible? Talking about myself. It's like, listen, just listen. Listen to the music, yeah. and you tell me what you think. Like, I'm sick of telling you what I think. Like, I'm... I wrote the songs. That's enough energy from me, you know? Like, it's yeah. kind of like... Um, sometimes if people haven't already interpreted a lot of songs before they ask what songs are about you kind of just i never do but you feel like saying you tell me like tell me what you think because i have said it all i've given you a hundred percent of what i think it means as in the song Uh but you did write this at one point uh, I feel like I didn't write a lot of that, but there's some words in there that I like to use. I really love the word despondent. Yeah. Um, and I think it kind of is an apt word with what I try to capture. I was thinking all the time. I was thinking uh, hauntingly poignant. Did I say that? No, I that no, words? I said that, that was oh, one of my words. I like that. It's nice. Okay. I was right. Well, maybe you talk to the manager. <laughs> Change um, it up a bit. I uh, I want to talk about some specific songs, if that's okay. Totally. Um, also, another thing I love about your songs is they're all super simple. Like the titles are super simple, and they're also like everyday things, and just like so ambiguous yet so universal in a lot of ways. Um, the one I want to talk about is Laundromat. Oh yeah. Which that was. This is a new one. This is in February, I think, right? Mm, yeah, that's new. Yeah, it's the most recent. But Laundromat has come up. That was in a um, in Miserable. They in the video you did for Miserable. Yeah. They go to Laundromat yeah, too. Yeah. I just love the image of the laund of a, a, a laundromat and the circling clothes. That is that a conscious theme for you? Like the everyday um, that you put into music. I think they're kind of uh, romantic places, and I guess when I write songs, I, I uh, you know, go to places in my head. Like I'm always, I'm quite visual in that way. Not that I try to be; it just happens. Like and generally, it's a strong song if I have that to draw on. Um, sometimes I'm less inspired, and it doesn't happen. But uh, I don't know. I think it's just evocative, and I I, I think. I like the idea of, like, I watch the clothes spin around my head, like, you know, um, vaguing out in a, in a laundromat, which I've done a lot of, um, particularly after some breaking up. In fact, I probably would have written that from having come back from the laundromat. <laughs> it's not as poetic as it seems. <laughs> I want to read, at the risk of making you sit through... Um, hearing your own words back to you I want to read what you have said about Laundromat because I think it's so poignant you said the song is a sit down shower I want it to wash over you like the thoughts kind of washed over me I wrote Laundromat to wrap my head around a relationship that was seeing a lot more space than there used to be like I was trying to fill the gaps with noise to cover the creaks of the house at first it's a little despondent then a little desperate and then a little petty I wanted to express some of the ways we try to reason with hard decisions and forks in the road, our attempts to barter with fate. Sometimes we thrash, other times we sit still. Sounds like something I would say. You stand by that? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Do you think, uh, do you stay friends with people after you break up? Yeah. Uh, it's not yes too heartbreaking no. some, for you? Some no, yeah. I if mean, you really love them, it's too heartbreaking, to... right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think as a songwriter, there's always a silver lining in any kind of emotional pain. You've always got something to draw on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a creative friend that doesn't, I think at least mention when consoling you, oh, think of the songs. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. What was the question here? What do we... Well, the question was if you stayed oh, friends or not, and you said sometimes. Yeah. Oh, well, um, my, the, the most recent breakup I had um, was actually very difficult, but we're great friends. Very close friends. Um, the one before that, <laughs> not so much the one. The ones before that, no, yeah, I don't know. Depends, I think. It depends on what kind of emotional bonds you form. And I think some loves are different than others. Some connections are different than others. Yeah. You have a lyric that says that thinking of you being happy is devastating to me. It's not that. You say, what is the... Yeah, lyric? no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, To think of you... As happy as a burden on my brain. Yeah. <laughs> That's a better um, way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell I don't write songs? <laughs> to, think of you as devastate, to think of you as happy is devastating to me. <laughs> That's my yeah, yeah. Well, hey, it probably seems good. But no, burden um, on my brain is a little more poetic. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of, I guess, the petty part in, like, you know, that was meant to kind of be the final bit in the arc of like, you know, like you, like the stage of grief has moved from being upset and hurt to, I don't know, like kind of it being a burden to carry around the thought of someone, which I think we've all felt before. I feel like you take such care in how you craft language and also just how you are. Is there a history of recklessness either from you or your household that you're yeah, coming I, from I, um, or, or compensating well, I, for or something? Mm, I think I just really value... Um, can, I guess, I don't know, conveying your thoughts in a way that is uh, not succinct, but apt, you know, like you, uh, it's, it's important to say what you mean and try your best to convey that. I don't know, I guess I'm also in interview mode where you, you try to be on your best <laughs> behavior. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, I was pretty reckless in when I was in university but in a, to a safe degree I uh-huh. think I don't know party but when you perform it's not like you're like good evening Melbourne let's go you're like no, you walk along yeah. with like a guitar you're like how oh, you guys you know I'm assuming sometimes this. I do it as a joke uh-huh. and it doesn't go down well <laughs> ever yeah. I guess I just think it's funnier in my head than it actually is <laughs> 
have you how was your um yeah tell me about a time where the audience i can't imagine a time when the audience isn't into it but i imagine there must be context where it doesn't match um yeah i don't know i really hate when people talk at shows Mm -hmm. which can happen when you support bands Mm -hmm. um one time i supported evan dando who's uh, i don't know if you know he's from the lemonheads um he's an incredible songwriter um and people just didn't give a fuck because it was a kind of older crew because he's like a kind of 90s legend um and so they just did not care and it was really difficult because it was pretty early in my career if you could call it that um but yeah all the time (laughs) unless it's a headline show which i enjoy because people are there to listen um, but yeah, if you're doing a support, like particularly in Australia, people can be pretty rude mm-hmm. to put it blunt. And I might cop some flack for that. Mm-hmm. But um, crowds are really not like elsewhere. They're, um, we just have a different culture for gigs. But then you also get a room that's incredible. I love Perth. I love playing Perth. Mm-hmm. You have played in America before. Yep. Yeah. You're supposed to be in Austin, right? Yeah, that's such a bummer. I mean, I don't know. There's just so much to unpack there. <laughs> I mean, it's it sucks for everyone. Um, you know, including the people of Austin that, you know, couldn't get all that income. Um, and, you know, obviously all the touring bands and I feel really bad for people like friends that bought visas, like spent thousands of dollars on visas and plane tickets. And, you know, I consider myself pretty lucky. I was heading over there um, with enough money saved to hopefully get a van and and drive over there and do a bit of touring after. But then I, I, you know, I had a roof where I could crash while we waited to hear if South By was going to be going ahead or not. And then when it wasn't, I had a roof, you know, I wasn't paying for a hotel or anything. So all I lost was like the tickets there and the tickets back because there was no real point. Such a bummer. Mm-hmm. Do your guy friends have as um, like as sophisticated, sophisticated is not the word, but are your, guy, are your guy friends as sensitive as you are? Yeah, I think so. I'm really, um, I'm really fortunate to have a great community of... Uh, people of all shapes and sizes and genders and things um but yeah my my guy friends are um, very uh emotionally mature and that's the kind of company i keep like i i don't know i don't i don't really like being around people that aren't or people like i don't know what are they like sesh lords i don't know what are they i've never heard of that uh yeah like uh you know just guys that just want to like party all the time and i don't know they live for the sesh <laughs> i don't know sesh? just boring people just fucking boring people uh-huh. i think um all my friends are incredibly interesting and uh very in touch emotionally i think yeah do you have a gay following? Um, you know, I f- I'm not sure if there's like a huge kind of 
kind of queer following, but um, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to tell. I have to admit, there's one for sure. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've met a few um gay folk at shows, which has been great. Um, I love that. I've met a few gay folk at shows. Yeah, well, <laughs> if I've gone off percentages of um people that have come up to me after shows and I might have a big gay following. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Spotify tells me I've got like 2% non-binary following, but that's so hard in these days because you can just say you're non-binary on the internet without being it. That sounds dismissive, but I mean, as in like, you know, you can select like, I don't want to tell you my gender and right. whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not getting like queer fan art so (laughs) it's hard to gauge (laughs) just prepare um yeah (laughs) you uh because you have every intention of continuing with music as your lifelong career yeah sure i mean yeah there's times when i don't know if i've got it or if i just want to do it anymore like i feel sometimes i feel like i've taken the fun out of it um but mostly, yeah, mostly I feel like I've got something to share and, and, and it's a pursuit that I want to do, not one that I feel I have to or feel I could do, but can't, I don't know, yeah. What do you, th- yeah. what do, you do when you get into that mode where you it's become work and it's not fun anymore? Um, what do I do? Yeah, to remind yourself. Do you step away from it? Do you switch it up? Do you? I mean, it can depend. Some like it's it's a it's a great balancing act, and sometimes I feel like you need to persevere, and other times you do need time back. And it depends on what kind of season I'm in for making art. Because say, if I'm in the writing phase, and then I just sit back and and give myself a bit of time away from trying to force one other times I intentionally try to force something out to help clear the tap Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm recording music it's the same I don't know it just depends on the day-to-day basis whether I'm like you just got to check in with yourself and see whether today is a day of perseverance or a day to just um take note of uh, a need for some alone time. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever had a crappy job that's influenced your music? Totally, yeah. I've tried to write a lot of songs about it, but they never feel <laughs> like they serve it or they feel kind of cheesy. But, um, yeah, I worked... Uh, I worked... Uh, eight, like 18 to 24, 25, no, yeah, like five, six, seven years of retail. Um, and I hated it. I hated it as guts. I hate retail. I hate selling things. I hate like this weird consumerist culture. I hate the, um, the way people treat you and seeing your friends at work being treated that way, everything. I think retail brings out the most ugly things in in people. Uh, 
And so I hated it and I resented it. And eventually I just kind of was like, fuck it. I'm just not going to do this anymore. And so I got a job uh, in a moving company. Um, and that was great because they're called Little Red Trucks. Uh, there's their plug <laughs> if anyone in Brooklyn wants to <laughs> move. Um, they're, yeah, they're, they're pretty much, well, not everyone but a lot of people are music industry people that work there and it's their kind of side job and so it was just a good community and then I was also driving a water truck when I was saving up for my first trip to America um I was driving the water a water truck all through the summer it got so hot it was like 40 degrees celsius for weeks at a time well not weeks it fluctuated that's a lot. I don't know what Fahrenheit that is. A hundred? Maybe? I mean, I yeah. I mean, that's hot. It, I mean... And also, what is a water truck? Oh, yeah. I, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I forget that it's, like, not a common thing. So, it's like a truck with a tank on the back, and you drive around, and you... This huge kind of estate thing, and water, trees, plants just crazy it's like thousands and thousands of liters of water that you go through which was also kind of sad but it was kind of nice to have that job and hence i don't know if i was recording but when i was telling you i listened to a lot of podcasts Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was a job where you could just get away with eight hours of eight nine hours of podcast listening which was probably really bad for my ears but here we are it's, but it's never made its way into your music. I mean, I think no, implicit, I mean, I mean it, bre- it, it breaks me down. Yeah, for sure. And I guess like songs come out of that. It definitely wears you out. And um, and uh, I don't know. I think, man, jobs are miserable. Okay. <laughs> they suck. I'm gonna sound like a, you know, I'm complaining. I'm really happy to have work when I can get it, but. I don't know. I just think of all the people out there doing shit that they don't want to do because they have to, to, like, get money to have a roof and food, you know? Right. Well, it also speaks... It speaks to what Stephen Thompson at NPR said about you, which is Biggs' songs often find him pining for some place or something else. A respite, (laughs) a faint, a fading connection, a sense of purpose. Yeah, I long. I yearn. I yearn a lot. <laughs> um, I think I was talking to my friend the other day. I think yearning is um, something that's very useful in writing songs in that uh, it's like this. Uh, yearning is the best term. I don't know if it's like the best out there, but the best I can conjure up. They're like uh, this um, wanting to achieve this feeling or this place or like there's this sense. There's like this um really weird happy place for me and it's like in a car and the sun setting and the, like there's stars in the sky but you got the pink in the and the navy of the sky and that's a place that I feel I picture a lot when I'm trying to capture this mood and I think that's this whole project has been trying to summarize that in 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 all these different ways and and through songs but that's like the lingering 
the lingering thing is trying to capture that mood of restfulness but melancholy and I don't know it's just it forever escapes me and hence I yearn and and I think that can create a good songwriter I would hope in myself anyway like that you are constantly reaching and maybe not always getting but you're constantly reaching and you're bringing back armfuls at a time of of this substance <laughs> I don't know I feel again like, I was yearning <laughs> the whole time <laughs> I feel like the song Miserable is such a great example of that and it's funny you mentioned the car because the first line of that song isn't it yeah we we parked your car on the street in the dark. Yeah, that was, um, I was kind of, that's, that song's very, uh, raw in that, that, that was kind of me explaining a trip to Shoreham that I went on with someone. And Shoreham's such a special place for me. It's this like beach, um, if you can imagine the cove of Victoria, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the mm-hmm. state, uh, where Melbourne's at the top of this cove. Mm-hmm. And here's like the little peninsula, Mornington Peninsula, and on the other side, against like the the sea, the Bass Strait, is um is Shoreham, and it's this little beach with all these pine trees, and uh, it's it's the worst sand. It's like all broken shells and stuff on it, but it's like just this incredible place. It's like the oh, I don't know. There's no place like it around Melbourne anyway for me. Um, and so, yeah, there's nothing special to that, the start of that. It's just kind of talking about (laughs) that time, I guess. Well, I think it's, there's nothing special to you. What's special to maybe, but what's special to me is the, how you treat the everyday as being so precious, I feel like. And also obviously your lyrics um i think are so masterfully uh crafted but at the same time one of the lyrics in that songs was in that song was we had sex <laughs> yeah and i yeah. and i and there was something that made me <laughs> tear up with the with how the song goes and how you just to say that I realize that songs don't just say things songs always imply things or they like try to say things in a new way and there's something about saying something so simply that was like really striking to me I I'm a really big fan of people that say things simply and it can mean so much or it can mean so little and I really like having double meanings in lyrics too. I mean, I don't think anyone that consumes anything I write sees it that way, but I love having multiple meanings in the things that I write, and I love when I see it in others. Um, Aside from that, I think, yeah, um, simple lyrics can be a technique of so many devices, you know, like... Sometimes it's jarring to to throw something in that that seems very conversational or off the cuff or 
I guess in that sense, it is a kind of weird... I hate to keep using raw. I guess it's kind of a weird raw thing. I don't know, because you wouldn't say that to someone. You, they're, I'm almost describing it. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah. it was an interesting song to write. Were you... Um, the song is about how you're... Or, um, it's contemplating how your own sadness can affect others. and um, Yeah. You said yeah. yourself that it's a, an explanation, a conversation, and a statement. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> I write things all the time, I forget. I don't know, explanation, conversation... Yeah, I, like that was again, I'm actually, I'm remembering writing that and it was another kind of yearning of like, I still, it's just, it's like, it's like feeling something and then having someone ask you, ex- explain in words so that I can feel what you're feeling, what, how you feel. And that song is such a feeling and the idea that I wanted out of that song is such a feeling that I still can't fully grasp the idea. But at the core of it, it was like a kind of, it was like a plea, a plea almost in like, not, not just asking whether it's true, but also kind of knowing that it's true and like, looking for some kind of guidance or help or like a some kind of conversation from it that can be productive um yeah that song was really close to home um because it was a really big issue um and like being in this trade of sad songs i i really like sad songs but you know you gotta somewhere like see if well, ask yourself if that's really affecting your life in ways that um, can fuck up <laughs> good things. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one, and I don't know. There's definitely points where I felt like I had to choose music or my partner. Did that feel like a choice between dwelling in sadness and letting yourself be happy? Not particularly in that I feel like writing good songs, well, what I think is good and like, I don't know, you're constantly striving to make what you think is good. I feel like I've only just got that after these two EPs. Like I thought they were kind of trash. I don't really like them now. Um, But the new songs, I guess... uh, Sorry, the... it makes me feel happy to explore that. It makes me feel good to be able to convey how I feel when I'm not feeling good. It makes me feel, I guess, in control in a way where I feel like I, I have an I, I can I can convey and, and have and resonate with others that feel that way and help them. And I feel like I can be listened to and understood or at least I try and maybe that's a lot of the reason why I make songs is to try to be understood yeah 
do you feel like one of the things that made you so in love with that one true love that you had was that you were able to feel all of those dark feelings without feeling like a burden to them? Uh, sorry, could you repeat that? <laughs> I, it's, it sounds like you might feel like a burden to some people with, or that your feelings might, like some people not might be able to hold your feelings. Particularly in a relationship. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think we can all maybe feel a little lonely sometimes. Maybe loneliness is a way. Like, not sometimes that you feel like people don't fully understand. Which I think is pretty common. Don't you think it's always worse when you feel alone with someone else than just feeling lonely by yourself? Yeah, I mean, my advice would be if that's the case, you should probably not be with the person. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I just I've written a couple last minute songs to go on the record, um, and they kind of explore that. I think in uh, feeling pretty numb or alone or feeling nothing when you're with someone. Um, and I don't think it's always, that was a hard song to write in that it was hard to play it without feeling like I was saying, I don't care or like, uh, the, what you have isn't enough or like, uh, um, you're not doing this right or I don't know I'm I'm just not here for you it's more so like I'm just like sometimes I can't help but you know not really feel anything um where am I going with this what was the question <laughs> <laughs> the question no I don't think I worry too much about whether I'm good enough for people or something like that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, know. I my question was about if you feel like your feelings can weigh heavily on other people. Oh, uh, um, yeah, generally like the people you're ultra close to, like intimate partners, I think is really the case there. Um, otherwise, no, not really. I think I have a good friend network. I'm pretty thankful. Some people don't. I feel really bad for them. I don't know how to help them. Sometimes you gotta help yourself, I guess. Do you think you have relationship advice since you write sad songs about relationships? Nah. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's also different. I think the biggest advice I have is like if you really want you could love anyone. If you like love love is work, you know. Like a a relationship starts after you you've been in love and so if we're talking long term if I think if we're talking short term relationship advice I'd say surrender is the most important part vulnerability and surrender and I think the most important part after the infatuation stage is when the actual relationship begins and that's when it's work and commitment and uh, trying and you can I think with that you can love anyone you know within like the limits of how you 
probably only ever will be able to love someone. If you want to be with them, you can make it work, I think, is the idea. Some things can't for obvious reasons, but then they're not, they're the exclusions. <laughs> Do you, you're single right now? Yes, yeah. Do you feel like you write better songs when you're single or in a relationship? Or I feel like right when a relationship ends, usually when your people are a mess, it's like the best creative time. Um, my most recent breakup, I didn't really get a lot out of it straight away. And everything I wanted to say wasn't really coming. Or in ways that didn't feel right because I didn't give them space or I didn't accept how they were coming to me um so yeah I don't know I think I don't know songwriting's a muscle like at the end of the day you can write a song whenever the fuck you want it might be harder than others but only gets easier the more you work it out um I kind of subscribe to that and also the fact that sometimes you just are channeling something incredible and I think it all inspiration comes from you know somewhere above like uh, what you know whether that's i think it is very spiritual songs songs songwriting's my church in that way but i think what it, people have so many different names for it, you know god or inspiration or the universe um but yeah i i think at the end of the day we do channel that when we create and so it's important to to channel that when it's there and to understand sometimes that you can't channel it. I don't know. I'm talking in circles. It's kind of like meditation, you know? Like, if you meditate long enough, you can get enlightened. And I like to think if you write songs enough, you can always channel a good song, which I don't do. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm, to I'm talking songs and like I'm um, like some crazy dietitian but i eat junk food sometimes you know? uh can you tell i think um i think you're like uh like painfully and so joyfully uh real and talented and um thank you yeah and the music i think is really good and not that I'm a great again, I'm not a good music critic, but I there I think especially for I mean in the time that however the stars align that I've been in the house and that I've played this music, it feels like a really um synchronistic, is that the word? Just a How did you find it, if I might ask? It was this miserable was a song in a like coffee house music playlist on oh, YouTube. Oh right, okay, yeah, it's really yeah. And I, I found myself going to that, and then I would like <laughs> click on the video on the like hour and a half long video, and be like, "Where's that one song again?" And I would find it. And oh was, nice. Yeah. Cool. Not to offend yeah, playlisting so crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always get on the coffee ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so strange. Well, you're stuck I love out coffee, to me. Though. I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> Can you talk about Home, your most recent single? Um, oh, yeah. So that's just like a little demo. Um, it kind of wasn't meant to do anything. And I kind of don't count it in the same universe 
of where all these other things have come from. Um, I wrote it when I went on my first songwriting camp and it would have been like the year that I put out Tidal Wave and Out in the Dark, which I'd recorded myself at home and mixed on my own. Um, and I was so, oh man, I was so out of my league in like writing, but I got to this songwriting camp through my now publisher. I guess they were like testing me out or whatever. And I just kind of took a guitar off on my own and came up with that one and then demoed it and just sat in demos forever. And then I, my good friend, Dustin Tebbett, um, was out of town and allowed me to take over his studio for two weeks. And I just found myself running out of work. So I dug up some old demos and just kind of finished it off and made it a bit bigger, um, just to kind of give to my publisher, like to be like, you know, here you go, here's this, if you want to try put it on TV or whatever, like, I don't really care. Um, and then, I don't know, it got on some TV shows and a mother and daughter reached out saying that they had heard it on this show. I think it was some show about like a soccer, a, a, a team that plays soccer or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, they loved it and they couldn't find it anywhere and they contacted the music, the person that composed the, the, like the actual compositional pieces for the sh TV show. And they're like, I have no idea because <laughs> I, I just write the other music, but then reached out to the sync director or whatever and, and tracked down my name and then they emailed. It was a whole thing. And then obviously South by cancelled and Bandcamp were doing the whole wave our fee thing. And so my manager was just like, hey, it would be good to like put this song out. So like all those people that wanted to find it can, can um, buy it. And you can get some money. So that's it. That's the story. It's a boring story. Um, it was written from my own perspective uh, when I had just started seeing this person in a relationship and I was flying out of town a lot more to do musical things and I guess trying to navigate that in a way. I don't. I think it's on as a song blender. It's maybe a five. Out of how many? Uh, you know, say blenders. Blenders never go to ten. It's probably an odd number, like a seven, <laughs> like a nine. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of just honesty in there, but there's also some wistful romanticism. I think it's an amazingly apropos song. For thank you. Yeah. Flight 
what is the thing you think the world needs more of right now? Um, I just recently wrote some letters to some people on my mailing list um, about how I think what we need most right now is kind of community. I think we've seen it a lot more now. Um, But when the COVID stuff kind of first started going down, or like the people stepping over each other to get toilet paper and stuff, it was really saddening and I think showed that in our Western culture, we don't have that community to fall on and we don't have a sense of camaraderie to help each other. And while it's been heartening to see some of that come through, I think we're still so far away from being connected as and, and uh, really seeing each other um, as equals, um, which we all are. So, yeah, I think, I think community is more important than ever. And it will only be more important after COVID. I like to think there'll be an after COVID. But, um, yeah, I, we're going to need it. Alexander, I think you're the real deal. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I don't know. I've got a sing with the accent, you know. <laughs>